everybody doing this morning? Okay, so some of you are doing good. How's everyone doing this morning? You guys doing okay? You know, Pastor Wendy gave me a nudge there. I was just lost in worship. He's like, what do you want to do? You know, and that's, sometimes that's just a great thing. What do you want to do, Holy Spirit? Get, give space for him. Get, get, give him room to move. But uh, today, what I want to do, we've been deep into a series on the nature and the character of God. We've covered 16 different messages over, I think, 18, 19 weeks. And we still got a bunch more to do. But as I was preparing this week, I was out for a, one of my walks on Monday. And it's funny, when you just set time aside for God, funny things happen. He actually starts to talk. He starts to give you direction. You know, when I, when I hear people saying, well, I just don't hear from God, I'm like, what time have you set aside for him? Have you been in his word? Have you taken time to quiet your heart and give him attention and give him time? And so it's important that we endeavor to set time into our schedules to do that. Just be like, God, this is our time. You know, I remember uh, one of the, the ladies who ran prayer and healing school down in Oklahoma when I was there. Um, she mentioned that when she was learning to hear the voice of God, what she found as a great benefit to her was she would set a date. And her friends would be like, well, you want to come on out with us tonight? She'd be like, no, I have a date. And they're like, ooh, who's the guy? And she's like, it's the Lord. I'm, I've set time for him. He's on my schedule. We're going out, and we're going to talk. And she would go, and she'd find a spot off by herself, and she would just ask questions. And she would read her Bible. She'd take time to pray. And it's funny that when you give him space, he begins to fill it. No space, no fill it. And so as I was out walking this week, I uh, felt that the Lord was leading me to interrupt the series that we're doing with a message today. And there's something specifically that he dropped in my heart. And it was the words that just kept rolling around and beware the snare. We have to understand that the enemy would like nothing more than to trip you up, hold you back, and slow you down. Now, we, we took it uh, uh, several weeks earlier in this year, and we, we preached a message of not being ignorant of the enemy's devices and the ways that he wants to um, try and hold you back and trip you up. But we're going to go a little bit different direction this morning because there are snares that are quite evident if, when you look. If you know where to look, there's things that have been placed before us that want to hold us up. And if, for those of you who don't know what a snare is, it, it's a hunting thing. Where, where you, you set up a, a cable or a rope so that when the little bunny comes going along, as soon as he steps in it, it holds him, and he can't get away. And that's what the enemy wants. He, he wants to get you to come his direction, and then he wants to hold you there so that you can't get away. And so this morning, I'd like to preach through Joshua chapter 23. And I don't think I've ever talked on Joshua chapter 23. Normally when we talk about the, the early days of the nation of Israel, you spend a lot of time on the exodus, you know, the, them coming out of bondage and slavery by, by the Egyptian people. And then we spend a lot of time as they're coming through the wilderness and the miracles that God did or, or the conquering of the, of the land and moving in. But I want to today start at the end. Now in Joshua chapter 23, verse 1, it says this. Now it came to pass... A long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all of their enemies round about that Joshua was old and advanced in age. First thing we need to focus on, it says, it's a long time after the Lord had given them rest. You know, we find certain phrases like this 
throughout the Exodus, throughout uh, the book of Genesis, and through the work of Moses, where it, sometimes they say a little bit different. They say, in the process of time. And it's an important statement because everybody knows that when you're in the heat of the battle, you get, have to move, right? You have to do something, or you're going to go down, right? When the enemy's attacking, you either fight or you fall. But what happens when there's no enemies to fight? What happens when the pressure isn't on? And so we see with this same type of statement, and a long time after, we see it in the, in the, the story of Cain and Abel, where it was in the process of time, Cain brought his offering. And what that really means is, at the end, when everything else was done, he's like, okay, God, I'll give you space. We also see it with the, um, with the, the Pharaoh. He said, in the process of time, there came a new Pharaoh that didn't remember Joseph. What? It was after a long period of time where great things had happened, and there's been a staleness going on. Come on. So he says, now it came to pass that a long time after the Lord had given rest to, the, to Israel from all of their enemies round about that Joshua was old and advanced in age. So they came into the land of promise and they pushed out who they needed to, the ones who would cause the greatest problems to them and now they haven't taken the whole land. We need to understand that. They never did take the whole land in this time frame. You know, God had told them to take it, but they pushed out the ones who would be the biggest problems and then the little ones who weren't really that much of an issue, they let stay there. And so that's where we find the nation of Israel. And it says, And Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, for their officers, and said to them, I'm old and advanced in age. Think about that. That's the second verse in a row that he said it that way. I'm old and I'm in advanced in age. That means that the two of them don't always go together. You can be advanced in age without necessarily being old. Old is a status of your heart. It's a weariness that comes upon you. It's a, I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to push anymore. I don't want to go on. And so we find people today who aren't necessarily that advanced in age, but they've gotten old. Come on, we all know somebody, when you compare them to another person, you're like, that person is 20 years younger than them? You would never have known. And you know, it's kind of like that we can take on the cares of this world, and they begin to reflect in our hearts and in our responses and our will to go on. And that's why Peter said, cast all of your care upon the Lord, for he cares for you. And so you don't necessarily have to be old, even though you've advanced in age. And so he says, I, you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. Everything that you've seen done up until this point, Israel, was God fighting for you. And then he addresses the situation they're in. He says, see, I've divided to you by lot these nations that remain. Meaning they're not all gone. I've divided them to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all of the nations that I have cut off and as far as the great sea 
westward. So you had the Jordan on this side of the nation and the sea on this side. And he's like, I've divided up the nations that are left. And he's like, Ephraim, you get this one. Judah, you get this one. And he's like, you guys finish the job. That was what he's talking to them in this. He's like, we're not done yet, guys. Keep moving forward. But Israel has gotten used to rest. He said, a long time that the Lord has given them rest. And he's saying, there's still a job to do, guys. And I'm giving you to do this one. I'm giving you to do this one. And in the season that we live in, God is still saying, there's still things that need to be done here on this earth. And I'm giving you part of them. I'm giving you this part. And I need you to go forth. And there's still things that need to be done. There's still people that need to hear about Jesus before the end can come. We know that his word and his name will go out into all this earth before the end shall come. And so there's a part for all of us, even in this day, that we we still need to get up and we need to take his name to the people. Amen? So he's divided the nations up that remain as an inheritance for them. And he says, and the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. And so you shall possess their land as the Lord your God has promised you. And after he says that, he says something, whenever you run into it in the Bible, you should pause and reflect. Therefore, which means that because of what has just been said, here's what you need to do. Because of that promise that is there, he says, therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Think about that. He says, therefore, be very courageous to keep the word. That's an interesting concept. You realize that it takes courage in this day to believe the word of God. Come on, I can't get through a day without someone saying, oh, that's just not true anymore. Things have changed. Society may have changed. God has not. His word has not changed. And he said, be courageous. Hold the line. Don't turn this way. Don't turn that way. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if we're going to talk about beware the snare, there's a snare that's going to try and hold you away from God's best for your life. God's best is stick with the word and what he has said about you. And that's the only thing you accept. Don't put up with anything else. If the word of God says you're blessed, don't settle for less. Come on, I love what Keith Moore used to always say. He still says it to this day. Expect the best and deal with the rest. You are a blessed people. God has blessed you with all blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The word of his blessing should be on our lips. When we wonder what we're going to do, you know what you should do? Overcome. You know what you should do? Win. You know what you should do? Go forward. Come on. And so he says, be very courageous to keep. It doesn't take courage to walk away from God. It doesn't take courage to walk away from the word of God. It takes courage to hold on to it when everybody else does. And he says, and lest you go among these nations, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them, 
and you shall not serve them nor bow down to them. And what he is saying right here is there's things that you should not have any part of. And I believe that it's the same way today. There's things that Christians have no business being a part of. You are not of the world. You are a citizen of heaven, and there's certain things that are no longer for you. Go ahead and stay away from them, get out of them, and pursue the word. He says, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. He's bringing some things to remembrance. The Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. But as for you, no one up until this point has been able to stand against you to this day. He said, one man of you shall chase a thousand. Come on, that's still the same. You would say, look at how many people have turned against me. One of you is better than a thousand of them, so go ahead and move forward. He says, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. Hallelujah. And so we find there one of those words again. Therefore, because of that, take careful heed to yourselves that you love. The Lord your God. I love that he said that. Love the Lord your God. Loving God is an easy thing to do when you understand how much he loves you. When you understand that his love never gives up, it never stops, it overflows you every day, and there's nothing that you can do that could change God's mind about you. He said he loved you, and even before you were even his child, he said he loved you. Come on, it's the most famous verse that people quote. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Paul said that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Why? Because of the great love with which he had for us. When you were at your worst, he loved you. So now that as you're a child, do you think he stopped loving you? And because he loves you, it empowers you to love. Because he's poured his love into your heart. And so he says, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Kind of reminded me of something that happened with Jesus in Matthew chapter 22. He had the Pharisees and the Sadducees were both trying to trip him up. And when the Sadducees saw that he had shut the, the, the Pharisees up, they were like, oh, this is pretty good. And so the attention got turned on to them. And one, one of their lawyers stood up and it says, he asked him a question testing him saying, teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. And that's why I love that Joshua said, Take heed, careful heed to yourself you love the Lord your God. Why? Because when you love, you fulfill the law. And when we get so focused on, you got to do this and do this and do this and do this, if you love, you'll fulfill the law. When you let love lead, you'll find yourself where you need to be. Amen? And so he tells them to take heed and love God. Or else, if indeed you do go back and you cling to the remnant of these nations, these things that remain among you and make marriages with them or join themselves in union is what he's saying 
and go into them and they into you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you. But they shall be snares, they shall be traps, and scourges in your sides, and thorns in your eyes. When you tolerate what is not for you, when you tolerate what the world has to offer, it becomes a snare and a trap to you. It becomes a scourge, and last time I checked, I don't like a thorn in my finger, let alone a thorn in my eye. And so he's trying to get across to them that these are not good things. If you want to let them stay among you, it will get nothing good from it. What he was saying is beware the snare. There's many snares that have been laid for us, and we as wives, children of God, following the leading of the Holy Spirit, should be careful about the directions that we allow ourselves to go in. And so after he says that these nations, if you don't do something about them, they're going to be a trap to you. They're going to be a problem. He says this, Behold, this day I'm going all the way of the earth. What was he saying? I'm going to go die, guys. I'm done. I'm old and I'm advanced in age and I'm going to do what happens to everybody at some point. I'm going to go die. And when I'm not here anymore, you got to remember these things. And he says, and you know in all your heart and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord God has spoke concerning you. If you're going to leave someone with a reminder, that's a good reminder. Don't forget that nothing God has ever told you to do and you chose to do it ever failed. Whew. I've met a lot of people that I felt like I should do these things and then I didn't do it and things didn't go well. Well, maybe you should have done them. And I can tell you story after story after story from my life and the lives of others that when you do what God asks you to do, things turn out well. He said, all have come to pass for you and not one word of them has failed. And so in the time that we have left, I don't want to take a lot of time this morning. In the time we have left, I want to go over just some of the things, the snares that I felt that the Holy Spirit was pulling out while he was talking to me back on Monday. And the first one would be, beware the noise. Everything in our society today is very loud and boisterous because it's vying for your attention. And just because it talks loud doesn't mean we should pay attention to it. Come on, let, let, let's pull out one example here. Politics. Oh man, that's an easy way to shut up a crowd. Politics in our day. I don't care if you're on the left side or on the right side or in the center. You gotta know it's loud. Well, don't you guys know over there that you're doing it all wrong? Well, don't you guys know all over there that you're all going to hell? Don't you guys know over there that you've screwed it up a hundred times in the last a hundred years? Well, don't you know that we could have done it better than you if we were the ones in power? Come on, they're going to talk loud, but that doesn't mean you have to pay attention to them. Just because it screams loud doesn't mean it demands your attention. There's a saying that says the squeaky wheel 
gets the grease. They're not your car. They can squeak all they want, but until they put some grease to their own car, focus on your, your thing. What has God told you to do? What has the Word told us to do? Politics are going to do nothing but continue to divide the church, as they've done for the last three years throughout this pandemic. We've had lines that have built up, well, you didn't take the vaccination. Well, you took the vaccination. What did that do? It divides. What do we know about the kingdom of God? He doesn't divide. He unites by the power of the Holy Spirit. He overcomes obstacles and brings people together. The work of the Holy Spirit, the word that is used with it is symphonia. He brings all the parts together and brings them into union so that all the different sounds play at the right times. Beware the noise. And that's why Joshua told them, therefore be very courageous and keep to, and to do all that is written in the word. It's like if you don't know which direction you go, you have an anchor point. And it'll stop you from going to the right. I guess this is, you guys are the right this way. <laughs> and to the left. God is not a liberal. God is not a conservative. God is not a green. God is not an NDP. He's not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's not a rhinoceros party member. He is a God who loves people. Hallelujah. If we look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. To bring context, do you know who he's talking about? The nation of Israel. Joshua's warning fell on deaf ears. They didn't go push out those nations. They didn't move away from those snares and traps and scourges and thorns. They embraced them. And they spent the next several hundred years doing... Oh, God, we need you. Okay, we don't need you anymore. Oh, God, we need you. And they repeated that cycle over and over. They did the very thing he said. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. And so he says, therefore, us, let's be diligent to enter that rest so that we don't do the same thing. And he says, for the word of God is living. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature that is hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom he must give an account. The word of God will expose where your heart is at versus where his heart is at and we lay open before him. There's nothing hidden. He already knows what your thought was before you thought it. And he knows how to now take that thought and move it in the right direction. And as Isaiah said, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. So there's going to be noise. It's going to be loud. And it doesn't mean you need to look. You know, I was just thinking about this. I remembered a story that our friend Jim told us. 
where he was in his car with his wife and his three daughters, and they were driving down the interstate. Everybody was doing their own thing. He was just kind of zoned into the road, and the kids were like playing in the back and not paying attention to what was going on around them. And his wife looked out the window, and she saw a billboard that someone had put up that they had put something very vulgar on. And she saw it, and she said, Don't look out the window, everybody! And at all at the same time, all of them went, Huh? And after they got by it, he said to his wife, he's like, you know, if you hadn't said anything, none of us would have even noticed. We're already focused. We're already doing what we need to be doing right now. We need to have a locked focus that can't be shifted to the left or to the right, but anchored fully around the word of God. The kind of focus we need to have the Word of God is the way that I think Montgomery plays on his little Nintendo Switch. He turns on his Paw Patrols and he sits there and he goes... <laughs> and I come into the room and I need him to do something and I'm like, Gummy! Gums! Gummy! Gummy Bear! Montgomery! Montgomery Kenneth! Montgomery Kenneth Marshall! And then I come right up to him, and I pull it down. I'm not going to touch your arm. I did that last time. And I pull it down, and I look him in the face. He goes, oh, Daddy, I didn't see you come in. <laughs> That's the kind of focus we need to have around the Word of God, that it doesn't matter what gets screamed in your direction, I am locked into it, and I'm not pulling to the left or to the right. Another warning we could say is beware the babble. What do I mean by that? I'm not talking about other people's talk. I'm talking about your talk. There's things that we don't need to be saying about ourselves. There's things that we don't need to be saying about what's going on in this world today. There's things that we need to yield our tongue to what the Word of God has said. Whereas uh, Solomon said in Proverbs 6, 2, You are snared by the words of your mouth, and you are taken by them. You are held by what you're saying. And there's so many people in the body of Christ saying, saying, I want to get over this hill. I want to get into victory. But they continually tie themselves to defeat. And so in the season that we're in, beware the words of your mouth. Of all the things that you get to say, stop and choose them carefully. We know as the word of God says that we will all give account to every idle word that we say. What are idle words? Unnecessary ones. Things that don't profit. Things that aren't what he has said about us. You know, we had a running joke when we were in school amongst my friends that 90% uh, of jokes are all true. And what do I mean by that? The things that we think are innocent and we joke about actually have truth. Some people are like, oh, no, no, I was just joking. But they were really just telling you what they really feel about you. Come on. I have one cousin who I've heard him say so many times, he's like, oh, I don't mean to offend you, but, and then he purposely says something that's about to offend you. I'm like, you may have said it in a joking manner, but your intentions were clear. And so we have to guard our hearts, and we have to guard our words, and speak what God has said about the situation. You are going over. You are stepping into victory. 
He has made a way for you where there seems to be no way. And so when you wake up in the morning and you're like, God, I thank you that my body is healed. I thank you that it is exactly what you have said, that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. And then you go, oh, I've hurt so much. Oh, I hurt so much. Oh, I hurt so much. Oh, I hurt so much. Shut it up. Come on. Here's one. Beware the offense. Beware the offense. Everyone is so offended about everything. The thing is, if you're offended, you're not going anywhere. You say, something has happened to me, and I'm going to set up camp right here, and I'm not going anywhere. You know, offense is an event. Offended is a choice. It's saying that what they did to me, I'm going to allow that to rob me of my destiny. What did Jesus say? Someone smacks you on one cheek, turn it the other way and let them hit the other as well. Why? Because it's not worth your reaction taking you a place that you don't want to go. Their actions can take them wherever they want. You're not their God. But offense is choosing to let something that someone else did, someone else said, rob you of your destiny. But my destiny is not for sale. The book of Proverbs says in chapter 10, verse 12, hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. Chapter 19, verse 11 says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook. This one is a really important one, which is why I left it to last. Beware the burn. In the day that we live in, people are burning themselves out. We can look about what other people are doing to us and saying to us, but you know what matters more? What are you doing? What are you saying? And what are you allowing in your sphere of influence. And so the enemy would like nothing more than you to be tired, burnt out, and unwilling to face a problem when it arises. Why? Because he wins by default. The thing is, a Christian, whenever you show up to the battle, you win. When we choose not to, we lose by default. It's like Wayne Gretzky used to say, you, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. You lose 100% of the battles you don't choose not to face, whether it be because I'm tired, I just don't have any more to give. In all things that you do, you are the master of where your energies get to go, where your time gets to go, what allows you to burn you out, what you allow to charge you up. And there's a great story in the book of Kings of the prophet Elijah where he's been going from 
problem, the problem, the problem, the problem, and he's been winning them, but he's not been taking time to recharge himself. But why do you think Jesus, after doing major bouts of ministry, where you would find him? Alone. To pray. Because he knew, I, I don't have infinite resources. We're talking about Jesus here. As a man, he realized, I don't have infinite resources to give, so I need to guard the time in which I'm using. And so he would minister, and then he would withdraw. He would rest, he would eat, he would pray, and then he would go again. If it was good enough for Jesus, it was good enough for us. And so the prophet Elijah was going from problem to problem to problem to problem to problem, and he was winning them. But then he hits a point where Jezebel says to him, you better run, boy. I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. And he's like, his, his, his burnout at that point was like he'd had enough. And so he took off and he started running. At that point, he really should have looked her in the face and said, do your best, woman. You've already tried and you couldn't do it. And you'll try again and you'll fail. Why? Because God was on Elijah's side, not on Je Jezebel's. And so he, it says in chapter 19 of 1 Kings, verse 3, And when he saw that, he arose, and he ran for his life. And he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and he sat down under the broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. And he said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. He got to the point, he's like, I'm just so tired. I don't want to face this anymore. Just kill me, God. And then he fell asleep. And as he lay and he slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said, Hey, get up. Eat. And he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on the coals and a jar of water. And so he ate and he drank and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, and because the journey is too great for you. So he arose, he ate, he drank, and he went in strength. For the food that he ate lasted 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb to the mountain of God. And Elijah's entire perspective changed just because he took a nap and had some food. Just because he had, took a nap and had some food. Man, the power of rest. The power of rebuilding your resources. If you've been pushing for a hard time, maybe you just need a rest. And a good principle that we should all learn to live by is halt. Keep silent. Rest and pray if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. People don't always need a real answer right now. Because you know that the answer you may give when you're angry is different than you'll give when you're rested. And so beware the snare. There's ways that the enemy wants to trip us up, slow us down, and stop us from moving forward. But if you know the trap is there, you can just step aside. 
You know, famous uh, 17th century English poet Robert Herrick said this, None pities him that is in the snare who warned before would not beware. He's saying, if you've been told about it and you chose to walk into it anyways, it's your fault. <laughs> but I think God is a little bit different than English poets. You may feel like you're in the trap. You already sprung it. You even knew it was there. He doesn't care how you got there. He'll still pull you out of it. He'll still get you back on track. He'll get you moving forward again. And we have to look no further than Psalm chapter 91. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom he I will trust. Surely He will deliver me from the snare of the fowler. Surely, if I'm stuck in the trap, he'll cut it off, he'll tend the wound, and get me moving again. He'll keep me from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover me in his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. And his truth, his truth, his truth shall be your shield and your buckler. His truth. There's only really one truth, and it was the one which Jesus came by. He came being full of grace and full of truth. And anything that speaks outside of the word and speaks outside of Jesus really isn't any truth at all. And so we have to ask ourselves, what truth have I been listening to? What truth have I been yielding to? Because his truth will always shield me. His truth will be my defender. He's going to cover me under his feathers, and under his wings, I'll take refuge. I'll find rest. Beware the snare. Hallelujah. Father, let's just close our eyes. Father, you know our lives better than we know our lives. You know every part, where we are, what our outlook is, where we're going. I know, know some of my thoughts, God, and sometimes I'm like, I, I, they're not all clear. And so I know I'm not going to try to presume on other people's thoughts and other people's ways, but I know that you know them. You know them better than they know them. And so right now in this moment, God, we ask for your healing balm of Gilead. We ask you to heal those hurts in our hearts that stop us from being able to see clearly the direction you would have us to go. God, the, the wounds and the words and the ways that we've been going, God, we ask right now in this moment for more rest. We know you've already given us opportunity this morning as we took time to worship that you were stirring us up and bringing us back to that place of rest. I thank you, Father, that this is not just a message for this moment. This is a message for tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the week after and the month after and the year after. But God, right now, we want to take a moment in your rest and in your peace. 
again because maybe you don't believe that there's been great things going on in your life that you've not been seeing God doing great things this is a moment where we get to declare that we get to go ahead and prophesy over the direction that we're moving in and we can go ahead and say God you are great and greatly to be praised and you're doing thing, great things today you'll be doing great things tomorrow you'll be great doing great things in my future Lord, I go ahead and I speak over my destiny. Yes, I do. Let's sing that again, though. Yes, that you are doing great things. Yes, you are. You are doing great things. In my life, Lord, you are doing just as Joshua said, that we won't move to the left, we won't move to the right, but Lord, we cling wholly unto you. We say thank you for it, in Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Robin. Oh, praise God. He is doing great things, amen? Amen. It's offering time.
God. Um, yeah, you can give that way electronically or grab an envelope and do something that way. Anyway, we thank you for whatever you give. Uh, but I want to look at a, a chunk of scripture. We just talked about a season that we're in. So this is a time Jesus had told to ask the people, you know, or, or mentioned to them that they didn't understand their time of visitation. Well, we just need to know what the season is, amen? And so the season is this. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. That'll work. <laughs> so what we see here is, and if you can imagine this as, as a farmer, you're just basically getting continual harvest. You can't sow fast enough to get the harvest that you've sown for in the past. And so this is the season, the time that we're in, because basically what has happened over the years, many have sown seed into the kingdom of God and not received the harvest. Well, somebody has to receive that harvest. And at the, as we're in the last days and the end days, see, a harvest is not just for the farmer. A harvest for a farmer is for the masses. It's for the people, right? And so God has blessed us. God's seed is ne never not producing. It's always something that produces at a tremendous rate. Amen? And so if you've been a part of that, if you've been sowing, now's the season to reap. But don't stop sowing. Keep sowing your seed. Keep sowing seed into the kingdom of God and let it continue to grow and grow so we can wrap this thing up and we can go home. Amen? Amen. Because we're in those days. It is the last days. It is the last days. If you look at this in the natural, if you look at Israel and what has happened in the land of Israel, they have a miracle harvest on anything they produce. And it's, and it's happening uh, 365 days a year. They produce more fruit for Europe than anyone else does. It's just amazing what God has done there. So this, that is happening in the natural and so as the Genesis principle says every seed after its own kind it's the same thing when it comes to the finance for the kingdom of God amen amen, amen. glory be to God don't be snared by the fact that you know you know if I give I never seem to get anything back that's not the case you just have to learn to receive amen 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 word care uh, pastor Wendy and I will be up here Word care. If you need prayer for anything, we are available to pray with you, agree with you, pray for whatever you need. Amen? Amen. Be blessed.